Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. It's real cash that never expires or loses value. Apply for Apple Card in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Daily cash is available via Apple Cash Card issued by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, or as a statement credit. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. I'm Sean Fennessy, and this is the Prestige TV Podcast. Today we're talking about the sixth episode of the third season of Barry, and it is a doozy. Fortunately, we're doing so with the star and co-creator of the show, Bill Hader. Let's dive in. We're back with Bill Hader. We're talking about season three, episode six of Barry, 710N. Bill, what's up? How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. So uh, here's why I wanted to do this podcast with you. It's episodes like this. Uh, at the end of this episode, I was like, fuck, that was awesome. <laughs> this is really cool. Most TV shows are not good. The show is so good. Uh, what an exciting and and impressive episode of TV. When you finished this one, were you guys like, we nailed it? Um, it felt pretty good, but that it was, you know, the lead up of it was, was um, you know, pretty nerve wracking. You know, it was just a lot. I mean, before the season even started, I would say, like, we started shooting in July, and I think in May we were planning that chase sequence. Hmm. Like, I got with Justin Ball and, and Laura Hill, uh, the VFX supervisors, and and mapped out what I, you know, what it was, kind of shot for shot, and then they made a, a previs, and then we showed that to the stunt coordinator, and he went, huh, and then showed it to locations, Jonathan Jansen, and he went, Hey, I gotta go find a freeway. <laughs> you know, and it was <laughs> it was just it was a it was it was a big operation that by the time we were done shooting that sequence and cut it together, I could tell some of the crew, especially Carl Hersey and uh and uh, Gavin, our uh, first AD, we felt like the season was over and we still had you know, an, another big block of shooting. We had two more months of shooting, but we were just like, oh, exhausted. I, I've, I've carved this episode up into four parts. It's, it's the Fuchs part, the Gene part, the Sally part, and then this extraordinary Barry part of the show and this chase that we're talking about here. Should we talk chase first? Should we dive into that? You want to wait uh, till the end? Make people listen? Till the end. I think okay. I'll have more. Yeah. Yeah, we can well, wait Let's talk about Fuchs then, because you shot Fuchs at the beginning of this episode, and I, I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead, <laughs> Bill. Um, and then he wasn't dead, and Fuchs, Fuchs has 100 lives. Um, were you hoping we thought he was dead, or do you think that the viewers are no, smart enough to no, know he, I, he'll I survive? I people will be like, oh, there's no way he's dead, you know? But uh, it was fun, though. And Anthony, the guy who shoots him, is a wonderful, wonderful stunt actor, and he is actually in... This is his second character... In, in, uh, 
and Barry. He was in the Ronnie Lilly episode. He is a guy when Barry goes into the grocery store, he's stocking chips and he like looks at me. And then when I start fighting with Ronnie again, he comes over to try to break it up and Ronnie headbutts him. (laughs) And, uh, he, uh, he is from Boston. He has the thickest Boston accent and he is one of the most beautiful guys on the planet. And so it's very funny watching him play this kind of awful, merciless killer, you know, cause he's just the sweetest guy, you know, he's just a great guy. I haven't seen to the end of this season, so I can't say this for sure, but I'm glad you brought up Ronnie and Lily. Cause this one feels like this could be this season's uh, Ronnie and Lily, you know, the yeah, one where well, everybody's like, wow, like that. Yeah. It has a sequence like that for sure. Yeah. Is that something you know you want to do at the start of a season where you're like, I want to have an episode that has something that we've never done before. That is like a, a stretch well, for us. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know. Again, it's that like I get bored feeling where you're kind of going like, oh man, we got to, you know, do something to kind of break this up a bit, you know, but also as a, as a filmmaker kind of giving yourself a big challenge and saying, well, gosh, you know, I might never have this opportunity to do something like this again. Like I'm going to do it, you know, and, and HBO has to okay it. And they did, they're like, yeah, this is crazy. And I remember you know, so yeah, no, it was, it, it definitely felt that way. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, Fuchs, Fuchs's, <laughs> story, <laughs> Fuchs's story, this episode really makes me laugh, obviously, because he like, um, <laughs> it, we always said like, it's like, he thinks he's in dances with wolves, but he's only like 20 <laughs> minutes outside of Los Angeles. <laughs> And then we also thought it was funny that like he's this like romantic hero thing and like this family have just taken him in after knowing him for like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so funny to us. It was it was making me laugh so hard. But uh he's I just uh yeah, the whole thing just is very much my sense of humor of just this uh you know, it's the universe. And again, it kind of the bigger theme, the universe is telling you, this is where you belong. You belong on a ranch in love with goats. Like that's what the universe wants you doing. (laughs) And his hatred for Barry and that, that because he loves Barry, that violence keeps sending him down this road where all if he did, if he just stopped, you know, he'd be okay. You know, the the one, not be mad you know <laughs> the one thing that levels up this sequence over him leaving chechnya and the woman who is fawning over him is the conversation with the father figure in the car which is just so gold it's like if yeah, a guy who looks like, like steven showed up with a gunshot yeah would you really take him in and want him to marry your daughter yeah just immediately she think yeah she wants i think she wants to be boyfriend girlfriend um <laughs> And that, okay, third Kubrick reference. We last two episodes have done a Kubrick reference. Kubrick reference. That actor is in Full Metal Jacket. The guy, he, oh. he's, one of, he's one of the soldiers in Full Metal Jacket. And uh, he is Sal. And he has, he was in a movie called Midnight Madness that I grew up watching with uh, yeah, sure. Fox and Stephen First and stuff. And he has just been around forever. Came in and read and was just phenomenal played it totally straight you know and 
it just that scene in the car is one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. It may like, I've never watched it and not just been laughing so hard. Cause it is just <laughs> my daughter, Anita. I think she likes you. I think she wants to be boyfriend, girlfriend. I told her that you you're a good man. And I'm like, you've known him for 10 minutes. <laughs> he showed up with a gunshot. <laughs> like <laughs> Fuchs is so fucking lucky. Like, dude, just take it. Like you could not be any luckier, you know? Oh God, it was funny. It's so stupid, but it was just, yeah, you know, it's that Dave Wingo, our composer is like, yeah, it's like suddenly he's in Lonesome Dove. (laughs) 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 But I think Steven's acting again, they're not pushing any of it. They're playing it totally straight. And that's why it's so funny. And then, um, and then, yeah, he sees that newspaper, former toxic man child. And, uh, and then all he has to do is just say, forget it fuck that you know but he he, fuchs constantly the season's taking the wrong lesson you know uh the woman that loved him in russia tells him the the russian fable and he takes the wrong lesson from it which is oh i need to start a vengeance army (laughs) (laughs) and then the guy says you know, this guy's telling him to, you know, don't ignore the signs that the gods gives you. And then he, he takes it as like, oh, it's a sign that I see this headline. So I need to go kill Barry. It's like, no, dude, <laughs> you know, he just, he's just such a fucking idiot. And it just, it, it, but all that, it was a lot of fun. And that was all shot in like a day, all that stuff out there. And that was, that was probably the hardest day of shooting. Hmm. Uh, was shooting all that stuff out at that, at that out in the middle of nowhere at that ranch. It was just, that was a long day. I couldn't tell if that newspaper in the, in the car was the actual variety article that Montaigne referenced earlier. But if it was the idea of that old man reading variety is also incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's only, he lives in L. I mean, they live in LA. Like, right. <laughs> that's, you know, they're in LA. <laughs> It's like the, the whole the whole Fuchs storyline is wonderful. This episode, uh, Gene yeah, is you get, to do like real, you get to do like real John Ford type shots and stuff, and you know it was just fun. Carl Harris and I had a lot of fun. It was it's one of those things where you wish you could shoot it in like anamorphic or something, like you know. But you know, maybe one day I'll get to do that. Yeah, you should keep telling Fuchs's story over the yeah. years. You know, as he continues to be saved by women living in the homestead. People. Yeah, he's <laughs> Um, so Gene has only got a couple of moments in this episode. He's, uh, awoken by Fred Melamed, who tells him that he wants to, or that he's been offered the opportunity to teach a master class in addition to his booming career. And, you know, he later goes on in the episode to team up with Annie or attempt to team up with Annie to get her, I guess, to seek a kind of true forgiveness and forgiveness yeah, is such a huge part of this se- season. Yeah. Yeah. And to say, I'll give you everything, you know? Like, I'll give you the whole thing, you know? What 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 is... Because Gene, if, out of all the characters right now, kind of feels, I guess, the most at peace or the most not in danger, you know? Like, do you ever worry about that in terms of balancing the characters? Because everything happening with Barry is so high-octane this episode. Yeah, no, I think... Yeah, he, he... You know, Gene, I think, is trying to figure himself out, you know, in a way that's more attainable. It, he just has to get out of his own way in this kind of in a gene world type way, which is like, okay, I have this new opportunity for a master class. I'm getting B 
because of Barry in this article and he in the he's now getting all this like Barry's dumb plan is working like you know and so because of all this he's able to try to make something good out of it you know mm. he's trying to actually like I think his son and grandson being threatened kind of woke something in him I think you know hitting Barry awoke something in him and then, you know, I think in, you know, last episode or episode four, sorry, is him, him trying to like, we got to get out of here. You know, we got to leave Dodge as he says, <laughs> it's like, he cares about, it's not just him. It's, it's his family. And so I think, you know, he's, he's the one who's becoming, you know, more of a real boy, you know, mm-hmm. in that article, it's like, he's gone from a, Barry's gone from the, you know, from a wooden you know, from a wooden boy to a real boy, but it's really Gene, you know, and, but he has to do it on his own, you know? And so that was kind of what was interesting to do. And I think Henry even at times was kind of like shocked when he's like, really, he's going to give her all the money. You know, is that really the guy? And I was like, yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's earning it. It's the thesis of the thing, you know, yeah. where we kind of was like, yeah, you can ask for forgiveness, but you got to earn it. And so this is his way of trying to earn it in some way, which is to make up for blackballing this poor woman, um, is to, is to get her career back on track. You know, I want to ask you about, uh, the, the experience of being Bill Hader just a little bit around this concept and using this article as like a, as like a rosebud kind of this season in some ways where it's like triggering these events for people you know as a person with notoriety like have you seen that where like if something appears in the press about you like either good or bad that it has like a triggering effect on the decisions you make or the work that you get um you know i've I've never experienced anything like that really good or bad but I, i i have had things like when i've talked openly about my anxiety that that then like has opened up a thing where people have come up to me and set and you know strangers come up to me and say hey i you know i i saw this video you did for the child mind institute and it's really helped me or it's helped my kid or um and i I always found that pretty gratifying you know but now it's getting a bit like i'm the anxiety guy so now it's like every time i (laughs) it's like the shorthand interview thing you know of like so at snl you were nervous and i'm like google my name snl and anxiety and you'll see there's like nine thousand articles <laughs> you know but <laughs> but it is it it but that was something that that i wasn't expecting where i you know was like oh yeah no i i kind of i thought it was you know you were being a baby growing up like stop being a baby you know and it was like oh no i actually i have anxiety this is like a a real i have a, a disorder you know where and then, you know, it's easy to kind of like roll your eyes at it. Look, I'm from Oklahoma. So people are like, give me a break. You just get nervous. We all get nervous, like grow up, you know. But, and I, I, I understand those things of people who use it or whatever to their own thing. But to me, it's like, it's just different, you know. It was like, took me a while to get to that place. And then opening up about it was a big deal, you know. Uh, but I didn't expect kind of what happens in this where an article, you know, the, in my case, it was a video I made that I, I did real quick, sent it off, didn't think about it. And then, yeah, it just became a thing where 
I don't think any, I, any time I go anywhere, like in a, an event, I, someone, at least one person comes up. And anytime I go to like a thing at my kids' schools or something, someone come up and will say something to me. So, yeah, I mean, so my thing was kind of nice. It is nice. I mean, people are looking for points of connection. I feel like that's ultimately yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the yeah, lesson in that. Like, so that was, that was cool. But yeah, no, I've never had anything with Gene. it's a thing you kind of see now especially now you know where articles can you know make kind of change how you see somebody you know yeah it's very common also looking for points of connection is mitch oh he's uh the most important man in this episode yeah this this guy is the he runs a beignet shop which has become (laughs) i guess it's like uh i'm trying to think what is the I guess like squirrel-esque kind of people waiting in line in LA for food that seems simple, but everyone is obsessed with. And yeah. And, and I don't know, it was this thing of like, so Mitch, who uh, Mitch Beniers is Chad Kroger and he does these things, the what up council, uh, these videos, the uh, Chad goes deep. And if you haven't seen those, they're really funny, but, um, uh, but Duffy Boudreaux and I, we're looking at the script of this before we started shooting and we realized I had a scene with Hank, a scene with Sally and a scene with Barry where they basically are just saying like, um, you know, here's what's going on with me right now. Like here's where I'm at right now at this point in the season. And it was just them kind of stating it would be like the musical number of like, what am I going to do? Like Banshee didn't like my show or whatever. (laughs) And, uh, and and it was just kind of like, you know, scenes you write that end up in TV shows and you're like, this is boring. <laughs> and so we were talking about it and and we were like, what if they all were saying it to the same person? And then we started laughing about that. And then it was like, what if it's a guy who runs like a like a beignet store, like kind of like a shishi type of like whatever the the hip, you know, place to go or whatever. And, uh, and it was in a very personified LA. And so that's, that's how that came up. And then, um, then he was just hilarious. I mean, he just, Chad Kroger just, he did it perfect. (laughs) It, it, it explained something. And I don't know if this is actually the reason, but I have, I have, you know, frequented a she, she, pastry shop in LA in my time living in the city. And um, I was like, are the lines long? Cause the guy keeps talking to everybody and having these long conversations. Like that, does that actually explain well, the weird why it's thing, like if this? You, if you look at the line, no one's with anybody. Everybody's by themselves, which I, that was on purpose where I was like, it's like therapy. Yeah. It's like they all go there to talk to him. And that was like that one woman runs up and is like, I had that conversation with my daughter and, like, <laughs> and like that, that it's like everybody's there to kind of like he, he's like the the village soothsayer you know but it's this dude um so yeah that was all written by duffy boudreaux and i uh kind of like you know probably like two weeks before we started shooting it's a brilliant way to work hank into in the conversation that hank's has with him and he when he <laughs> offers to cut him into the franchise and Hank's like I'm gonna have to think about uh, that yeah God Anthony plays that so well where he's like yeah uh, <laughs> uh, I'm all that I'm all that over 
you know, the hardest I laugh in this episode is a thing no one laughs at, but I, I could not stop laughing every time is the shot of Hank seeing the 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 nursery is all decimated and it and it's oh. just Hank crying. He's like, I'm so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> when Anthony did that, I was laughing so hard. Like it just everybody was like, Hey man, we're losing the light. Do you want to go again? And I was just laughing so, so hard. Cause Anthony was just like, I'm so fucked. <laughs> like he's just freaking out with a little Dodgers hat on. Oh man. Yeah. Hardest, hardest I laughed in this episode is, um, at everything Vanessa Bayer does. Oh yeah. She, Vanessa Bayer. She is just one of my favorite human beings. And, um, yeah, we, so yeah, the character of Morgan Don Cherry and, had some people they were thinking of and I just was like, it should be Vanessa bear. I just, when I was writing it, I saw it as Vanessa. I just was like, this should be Vanessa. Did, did you write that kind of tribal grunting mode of communication into the yeah, script? Well, it was a thing we all worked out together, but yeah, in the script, it was like weird effect, sounds and shit that they say. And it actually went way longer. It was like twice as long <laughs> and Sally started doing it and everything. And it was one of those things where you were kind of like less is more, you know, and you saw it, you're mm-hmm. like, this is like wearing out its welcome a bit. Um, but yeah, it was kind of the way I feel when I'm in those meetings where it's like my manager or agent talking to some executive early on in my career. And I'd be like, what are they saying? Like, I was just so confused. But yeah, it was Jesse Hodges and Vanessa. They, we all just kind of sat down and was like, now try this sound into this sound. And then it'd be like, instead of this, why don't you try just like faces, you know? And, uh, and then we were editing it. it, it wasn't working. And then Frankie Gutman had the good idea of actually putting their actual sounds into the other person's mouth. So it's the sounds were the same. And once the sounds were the same, so when she goes, yeah, that's, you know, that's Vanessa going, yeah. Then we actually, when Jesse says, yeah, we just put, it's Vanessa's voice saying, yeah. So it's the exact same sound, you know, and then, Hey, Hey, is the same thing. So we're there. It's, it's, it's like the exact same sound. And then that was kind of making it work. But, um, but yeah, that, that's one that, that, uh, I also like when she comes out and she's like, Sally Reed, Morgan Don Cherry. And then they scream her and Jesse screaming <laughs> with each other. That's, I always feel that too. When I go, it's all meetings. real and at CAA it's or WME. Every, it's every real when you go to those meetings and people are just like, ah, and you're just like, I am this meeting's ostensibly about me and my career, but it's really, I feel so out of the loop on everything. And then I like cutting to Jesse and Jesse going, I think you should take it. <laughs> Sally's like, I don't even know what the fuck was said. Like what was happening? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make you scream at me at the beginning of episode seven next time we record. Why? Oh, oh Sean! Sean! Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also thought um, the, the the text thing was pretty good. I thought uh, Barry dictating a text really loud and, and then Sally reading it was really fun. I thought Sarah did a good job the way she kind of write, you know, flew through that. Yeah, all the uh, like little inter- intermittent like conversations that were not meant to be part of the text were the funniest parts of that, you know, <laughs> yeah, looking sure at the clothes. <laughs> um, one question I had for you about that scene in particular is does, does Jesse's character want Sally to take that job? Cause that means commission. 
or is she actually looking out for her? I mean, I think that's what you should be asking yourself. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've I've had that question a few times in my life. Yeah, I think that that's what you should be asking yourself when you're with your agent. That's I I think that a lot too. You know, but you know, I found out I I I love my agent, but yeah, he's I'm like, oh, you're actually looking out for me. But that's yeah, that's the question. You know, that should be in the back of your mind during those scenes. Okay. I'm glad I asked you. I feel like you answered it without answering it. Um, let's talk about the Barry and the chase. Um, so, you know, Albert is connecting the dots of the investigation and, and he, he visits Chris's ex or Chris's wife, uh, Sharon. And then that leads to Sharon having, inviting Barry over to a dinner for vets. The, the phone call between your character and Sharon is one of the, also one of the funniest scenes of the season so far. Um, <laughs> Your performance is incredible, and I love that part. He says, "I love you." <laughs> it's, it's so good. Uh, like I was deep. It was very Albert Brooksy. I was like so uncomfortable when you. Oh when you yeah, did that. yeah. Um, yeah well, that that came out when when she was doing her side of it. I was doing the phone call off camera, and then it was just the final take of it, and I just did that <laughs> to talk with her. <laughs> And I was like, I love you. And she went, oh, uh, and I was like, I don't know what I'm saying. Ah, oh, forget it, whatever. So then when we shot my side of it, like months later, Duffy was like, oh, you should say I love you. Remember you did the I love you thing. And I was like, oh, I'll do it on one, but I pr- we probably won't do it. And then Frankie put it in. He was like, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. You know, is it is it common for you to mess around a little bit like that with the script yes oh yeah yeah i mean we try to stay to the script but it, it's a, it just depends on different people and what the situation is but that's one where it's like you're doing a scene and the scene's kind of like okay this is like a connective tissue scene you know and it was important to me comp- considering where it ends up that it be light and kind of fun so then it was like oh let, can we make this like a comedy scene you know but it, it again you just you try it and see if it works or not. And sometimes it, it doesn't, you know, the scene with Jesse and Vanessa, like Vanessa, all those faces they're making, like that's all them. It's just, just make faces, you know, mm. but they're trying stuff. I mean, there was so much shit that they tried that didn't end up in it, you know? Well, after the phone call, you know, Barry meets Mitch, gets some beignets, has a combo and then heads out. And then that leads to this moment where the motocross bandits identify you in the car as you're on your way to Sharon's house. I guess mm-hmm. that's where he's going. Right. Yeah. And, and then that leads to this like genuinely extraordinary sequence, a really, really cool bit of filmmaking. Um, so we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of this conversation, but you know, tell me about making it. Cause I don't think I've ever seen a, especially a motorcycle chase, like shot this way from this perspective. So how did you guys do this? Um, well, you know, what, Wade Allen, our stunt coordinator, and and Carl, her DP, and and uh, Aida Rogers, and and Gavin, and all these people, you know, involved with this. Um, you know, we just have tons of meetings about how to do this, and what helped me the most was doing that previs. By doing the previs that Laura and Justin put together, I was able to say these are the exact shots, you know. And then, um, the, and, and so each shot was its own little problem, which I love that. I love problem solving. And then all the people on the show that I mentioned love the problem solving element of it, but each shot had its own 
thing that was difficult, you know, um, to break it down. And, and I, I won't like expound too far, too much on that stuff. I'll keep it moving. But, you know, when Barry takes off going, that's me. It's called a biscuit. It's a car. There's someone else is driving. I'm hooked to another car and someone else is driving it, a stunt driver. And when I take that turn and you see in the rearview mirror, the car, the motorcycle get hit by the other car. That's its own composite shot that we, sh- we hit a dummy, you know, you, 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 every shot. And there's like five different shots composited in that rearview mirror shot, you know, um, to make it work. And, and then when that guy goes through the windshield, that was incredibly difficult to figure out. Uh, because I wanted the camera on the side so where you felt it really hit next to Barry and then holding that for him to be able to turn around and look at the guy. And we talked about, okay, actually throwing a guy through the windshield and wherever he lands, he lands. And I was like, whoa, that seems kind of dangerous. And then then it was all going to be on a stage like we'll do this all on a stage with green screen, but then Carl and Laura both were like, no, I think you want to do it on the, in the, on the location, uh, using the sunlight and the elements of that location there. That'll make it look real, you know, make it feel. Um, so that shot also, that's, that's, um, that's like a composite shot about five different shots. And that's, they actually, they had me react and then I turn and look and there's nothing there. And then they get me out of the car. They do it again with a plate with just, it's just empty. And, they, and then the third shot is a dummy flying through that windshield. And then the fourth shot is they put, we put a actual guy there and we shot those with a green screen behind it on, on the location though. So the sunlight coming through the windshield is the same, but we can composite through the windshield. So um, so then when you put it all together, that's like a dummy flying in, but the minute it hits that seat, they morph it into, uh, an actor. And it's pretty um, amazing for like five seconds of, and it's five seconds. Time. The amount of work that goes into that one little moment is, uh, I mean, the amount of work from their whole team, Justin and Laura's team was pretty, pretty astounding. So, um, so yeah, you know, and then, you know, I started doing this thing while I was shooting it where Barry's like singing this song and I was just doing it at the top of the scene and you're my buddy, you're my friend or whatever. And that was really just cause I was bored. Like I was just trying to find something to do in the scene. And then it was like, Oh, this could be a funny thing that he's doing through the whole thing where he's just trying to sing this song and be like happy. But then the kids get interrupted by these people <laughs> and Barry, this is weirdly where he's his most, like calm as in these situations. Um, so that was funny. There was something very like, not to sound pretentious, but I really like Jatati movies. And there was something very Jatati about it of like no music, sound effects. And, you know, it's it something very silent, co- silent comedy about it. Um, but once it got to the freeway, that's, you know, that's the 710 North in Pasadena. And we shot three well. days. Um, we shot three days, um, three Sundays, 
um, that's from seven to noon. And it was crazy hot outside. And one day was just me merging. It was just one day we just shot me merging and there's real cars in there. And then there's peppered in VFX cars to kind of, and there was no traffic going the other way. So that's all VFX. And then, um, and then the second day was anything that was pulling them. Like, so once it, it, it cuts to the, um, we had two camera bikes that had a, a mount on the back of it. One had a mount on the back and one had a mount on the front. And so it's a stunt driver driving really fast with this, you know, this mount on his, on the back of his bike and our stunt driver, you know, shooting our stunt driver. And they're both actually splitting lanes. We had a bunch of people bring their cars out. They left their cars there and we created a traffic jam and then just sent these people through. So that's all real. That's they're really splitting lanes and it's, it's, it's a, it gave me a heart attack when we were shooting those. I was so nervous. You well, know, uh, I mean, two couple things about that though. Like one, I, I'm sure this is true in other cities, but in LA in particular, the motorcycle driving intensity, yeah, splitting those lanes in general is a thing that you feel, and I've never really seen that represented yeah. on screen. Yeah, it 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 always is unnerving to me. Um, like that's unnerving, but also just like. Um, I don't like merging onto the freeway. I just find that unnerving. Like merging onto the freeway, like in a small car with like the, like the windows down, or I don't know if you've ever been like in a convertible and you're not driving and someone merges onto the freeway. I think it's terrifying. I have like a full on yeah. panic attack. So I was trying to create that feeling of when he goes on and it's just how loud it is. Um, so the lane splitting was one day and then the third day was everything with Anthony shooting at him and trying to do the handoff and it going wrong, that whole stunt. Um, so those were the three days of, of, on shooting of the, of the, and, um, and yeah, I mean, I just, we just were really super prepared. I mean, we were just crazy prepared and, and then, you know, the amount of, of, um, you know, Frankie and I, when we sat and cut it together, we cut it together while we were shooting just to make sure we had everything. Aida mm-hmm. Rogers had a really good idea where she was like, you should cut the motorcycle sequence together just to make sure it works, you know? So we You're can like go Sod- back. Soderbergh and, now, yeah. You know, shoot it until we, you know. So we, yeah, that whole thing, like we were shooting the episodes and I had it on my phone and I was like, look, it's rough, but look at it, you know? And people were like, Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> you know? Um, so, and then when she, um, when they get to the car dealership and the car dealer and everything, that's actually shot in Torrance. So they take a, they turn, he gets off to seven ten, and then we're suddenly in Torrance. And that's uh, a, a car dealership in Torrance. And then um, Eric Schoonover designed this amazing ramp for Stunt Woman um, tra- to go up and put all this stuff around it. So it looks like she's going up, you know, these garbage cans and debris and stuff. And, and, um, but what I wanted was a, like, a shot where, Again, everybody's kind of small, and you're, you're seeing the whole kind of world of Los Angeles. It's a kind of, I don't know why, it was just, for some reason, it was very important to have, like, the, 
the context of Los Angeles, like the freeways. So it's these wider shots. And then this uh, car dealership, so you could see inside, you could see on top of it in one shot, and then someone shooting down below into the car dealership and seeing all those people then come towards cameras, so the perspective changes. Um, and that's always really fun. Instead of doing it in shots, you do it in one shot, but you, you're, you're kind of, um, it's, it's a pan, you be pans and then Barry walks off and you pan back the other way. But in that is the information of like, you know, five different shots, you know, or six different shots. Well, and that, that, that definitely comes from, you know, watching some of those older movies, you know, or, um, you know, just certain, um, also pictures, you know, I, I like watching just certain pictures that are wide. And, and I also, I think I like, cause it's kind of Ronnie Lilly too, of, of like when Fuchs tries to get the girl into the car and she goes up the tree and goes on top of the house. And now like the status has changed between them. It's kind of a similar thing, you know, where now she, you know, the, Tracy Taylor now has the, 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 the status in the scene. So she's on top of the house, you know, it's, you know, it's all that stuff, you know, and then by the guy shooting her and she goes away now, Barry can leave, you know, it's all, it's all that silent film crap. <laughs> but, but, but that's, what's so good. I mean, the, the Tati reference makes a lot of sense in the beginning and the end of this long sequence. Right. Yeah. But like the thing that makes it more than homage is putting the characters in the real world of California freeways, which are the opposite of these constructed environments that Tati would yeah, build. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, it's real. True. Yeah. That last shot too, Carl brought it up. We were, we were, we were, um, doing the color, we were color grade on the, the, that sequence in that episode. And Carl was like, Oh, this is kind of like a Roy Anderson shot. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're right. It is kind of like one of those Roy Anderson shots of, all little miniatures of life. Yeah. Miniatures of life and people going from like deep background into the foreground. And, but again, it's not conscious. It's just kind of like you see the location and you go, Oh, this is what could happen. You know? The other thing I love about the sequences is it really serves the story because Barry escapes. It seems like gets off scot-free from this crazy chase sequence, arrives at Sharon's. He's in a place where he feels safe. He's brought the beignets. He's ready to have this dinner with some vets. And then he spots Fuchs's Kenneth Goulet card. Yeah, yeah. And we realize that the show is one step ahead of the audience. Yeah. And that Sharon is getting maybe her revenge. And I yeah. guess, so she's poisoned the so- the dipping sauce? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. She poisoned the dipping sauce. Yeah. So that was the fun thing of, we knew he needed to get poisoned. And initially it was like, oh, there's something there. And then it was like, oh, it'd be great if what he's bringing is the thing that she poisons him with him so forever it was chips and dip and then once we came up with the beignets thing it's like oh that's what he's bringing that's what she poisons you know um but yeah it was it was fun that was a lot of fun figuring that out and and coming to that ending and and knowing like oh what a great kind of cliffhanger of of him getting poisoned and and uh and yeah seeing fuchs's card there and it's kind of laid out which I was like, oh, did she put that out? Like, that's one of those things where people on the set are like, wait, so when she put the beignets down, did she put that down? 
And I was like, yeah, maybe I, you know, I don't know. I just, this is, this is, I just think it's nice for him to bring the phone down and it's there. You know what I mean? Or he left it there and Barry just didn't see it because he was looking at his phone. But those are the, those are the things that make, that break your brain as a director is everybody going, wait, 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 wait. Can we just talk about the logic of where the card is? <laughs> <laughs> you know I just liked it as like a Hitchcockian, you know, yeah, gimmick. Yeah, I kind of, I, I really dug, I dig that kind of stuff, you know, and, um, but yeah, I, I was, I, I was happy that I, that was one when it came out, I was, when we cut it together and we were in the mix on it, it was like, man, that feels really good. That feels like a very solid episode. It's one of the best episodes I think you guys have done. I thought it was really great. Oh, thanks, um, man. Can I ask you one more thing about it? Yeah. We don't we haven't we haven't talked too much about the music on the show, a little bit about the score, but that spirit song that ends the episode is so great. Oh yeah. You know, how do you land on, you know, songs that you want to use on the show? Um, I kind of have I have a big playlist. Um and then uh and then I share it with the editors and and we just kind of go through stuff and sometimes they add stuff or I add stuff, you know, like the end of episode one is that Davy Crockett song. And that was one that I had on a playlist. And, um, and I think Allie put that salt song at the end of episode four. Um, and then sometimes it's nice just to have weird sound or nothing or, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, just whatever the mood is, but I always love that song. I actually heard that the spirit song on a Mike D playlist. Mike D does like, um, had some, like a playlist and he, he put, he had it on there and I was like, this is what a great song. Just that open, you know? And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. So yeah, you kind of file it away and go, oh, that, and then we're looking for something for the end of six. And it was like, Oh, I got the song, you know? Um, but yeah, constantly looking, constantly kind of keeping your ear to the ground and listening to stuff. And you just kind of know like when something feels right. It's a great way to end one of your best episodes. Bill, thanks for this. So. We got only a couple more left. Yeah, man. It's going to be, I hope you guys dig it. It just, <laughs> it just gets really dark. <laughs> <laughs> so much to look forward to. My favorite yeah. kind. Thanks, Bill Hader. See you. Thank you to Bill Hader. Thank you to our producer, Bobby Wagner, for his work on this podcast. Please stay tuned to the Prestige TV podcast. Next week, we'll be back with Bill Hader talking about Episode 7 of Barry. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.